As if quarantine weight gain weren't enough, we're heading into the winter when people typically gain five to seven pounds. Good news is it doesn't have to be that way. There are reasons why we gain weight, which means there are reasons why you can avoid it. Join me now and learn those secrets. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator podcast. Do me a favor, rate and review, and tell your friends about the Bottom Line Advocator podcast. Thanks so much. So hello, my Facebook friends. I'm going to switch out. Right now, you're seeing an empty chair there. But in a moment, Dr. Lisa Young is going to be back, and we're going to talk about winter waking. So I'm going to switch for a moment. Here she comes. Um, Anyway, so hello. So today, we are going to talk about winter waking as though the COVID-19, as they call it, hasn't been bad enough. But now here we are, shorter days, the days when people seem to be accumulating some fluff. It's what we always do in the winter. I know that I always do. So we thought this was a great opportunity as we're going into the holiday season, but any holiday has the same problem, whether it's July 4th picnics or whether it's um, Valentine's Day chocolates. It's that watch, watch how, how do you avoid the, the holiday rush, the winter, winter weight gain, all that sort of stuff. So I'm Sarah Heiner. I'm so glad that you joined me today. I will give my usual reminders that we have a growing library of these videos, um, either in the Facebook, uh, in the bottom line Facebook page, you can see them in videos. If it's easier, we have a growing, growing library in YouTube, not only of the longer videos, but we'll take kind of the, some key snippets out so that it's real easy to find some, some of the key points that the, the great experts make so that if you want to go back to them or share them, that would be awesome. So go subscribe there. Um, we also don't forget that we have some downloads for you. They are free and they are so valuable. Number one, most important thing, you cannot be contagious with COVID if you do not get sick. But you reduce your odds of getting sick if you have a strong immune system. And unfortunately, as important as masks are and as important as social distancing is, there's nothing also that replaces the power of our own bodies to protect ourselves and to reduce our risk of sickness. Now, sadly, you're not hearing about that on the news. You're not hearing that about that from your doctors very often. But our editors, bottom line, put together a free download. There will be a link in the chat box. Um, so click on that and download that um, to be able to see what else you can do to reduce your chance of getting sick beyond hand washing, social distancing, and masks. Um, and then we have another download actually also, pain. I don't know about you, sitting in my chair all day, hunched over, it's not so good for the body. And there are a lot of people with a lot of aches and pains. Stress increases pain. Bad posture increases pain. So we have another download for you. Again, share it, download it, totally free. We just, I honest to God, I just want people feeling great and out there and being able to feel great, feeling living their lives. So there's another download that you can download for free about pain. And I don't, I, I don't remember the name of it. God. I need the memory book. Anyway, but there's another download there so that you can learn things that you could do to reduce your pain, all sorts of pain in your body. Um, so download that. If you have questions while we're talking to Dr. Lisa Young, then put them on in the chat box and my friend Lauren is going to pass them along to me so that I can share them, get your questions answered. She is, uh, Lisa is so smart. She's been with us before. She's a long all-time friend of Bottom Line and um, I'm thrilled that she's joined us today. And today, so let me bring Lisa on. Um, we are a tale of two weathers, actually, because I've got, in Connecticut, I've got 10 inches of snow, and Dr. Lisa Young is joining us from Florida, so lucky you. Yeah, great to be here. It's a pleasure, always, Sarah, always a pleasure. Although, I have to say, it's really nice. We haven't had snow here. I don't think we had any snow last year, so it's actually really nice. I was just on my daily walk in the park with my dog, and it was packed, packed with kids and families sledding, and it was so great to see. So getting their vitamin D. We're going to talk about vitamin D in a couple of minutes. Great excuse to get outside. It's exactly. All right. Let me introduce Lisa so that everybody knows how great you are. Um, and I always read my bullet points. So I'm certain that everybody gets all of the facts. All right. So Dr. Lisa Young is an internationally recognized nutritionist and portion control expert, which is one of the most important things as much as what you put on your plate, how much you put on your plate. Um, she's an adjunct professor of nutrition in the Department of Nutrition and Food Studies at NYU, U New York University in New York. You have likely seen her on TV, in the newspaper, magazines, you name it. Lisa has been interviewed in them, but I always like to say bottom line's the favorite, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. Um, and Lisa is also the author of two fabulous books, 
Finally Full, Finally Thin, 30 Days to Permanent Weight Loss, One Portion at a Time, and The Portion Teller Plan, Eating, Cheating, and Losing Weight Permanently. And you can learn more about Lisa and all of her work at drlisayoung.com. So now, officially, hello. Hello. And I'm from New York, so to be in, to be in Florida when there's a snowstorm in New York is always nice. <laughs> all the all the gutter puddles, as I used to like to call them. Nothing worse than a splashy gutter puddle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about it. So on average, people, tend, uh, you know, when, when you Google it, the fact is that people seem to tend to, to gain five to seven pounds every winter. And I know that I always, I, the same level of activity, the same exercise, and yet somehow comes the winter and I fluff up a little bit and then comes the springtime and it kind of falls back off a little bit. So high level, what are we all just bears hibernating, like gathering our fat for the winter? What happens? Well, I think there's a couple of things happening. One is, yes, we're hibernating more. We are also wearing looser clothes and big sweaters. And so we don't really have that tendency to, you know, pay as much attention in the immediate short term. But we also probably crave and then eat heartier richer foods. We want more stews and soups. And you could do split pea soup. You could have lots of healthy things, but often we crave more comforty type foods. And then another, which is really real, is some of that sweet summer fruit, like the watermelon, the cantaloupe, the cherries, they're not as readily available. So people often tend to nibble on the more fattening things as opposed to being able to just grab that sweet fruit. So those are all, some of those things are very real. So let's talk about, so, but what, is there some reason that we're all, you know, is there some evolutionary thing? And I don't know if there's anybody studied it that, you know, why do I want us to? It's comforting, it's rich, it's warm. Is there, is there something else going on with our bodies? And I don't like to blame evolution because I choose, I always say it's my hand on the cookie, right? So if I'm eating a cookie, it's my choice. If I'm eating a stick of celery, it's my choice. But is there something that shifts us to these other kinds of food that, that, you know, warm us in the winter or that help us, you know, prepare for, uh, you know, where evolutionary times, it was harder times so that we needed to store weight? Well, I think there is sort of that little tiny little bit of the evolution where, first of all, your metabolism is gonna very slightly speed up in the cold if you're going outside and you're cold. And this is really, if it's winter and you're cold, if it's Florida, there's not that much of a difference or if you're in sunny California, although for them, it's a little bit different. So there was that storage and that eating more in the winter storage, but really, so I don't think it's really that much an evolution thing. Yes, to eat a little bit more because your metabolism speeds up, but I think it stops there. Right. I think tends to be more of a psychological mm. type of craving and a habit. I think it's the psychological and the habitual that you're not going to crave celery and you're not going to crave a blueberry smoothie. Right. But at the same time, you don't have to gain weight either in the winter if you're conscious of it and you make healthy choices that really are in the stews and in the soup family as opposed to just a cold salad. Cause you don't crave a cold salad when it's cold out. You just don't. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And I don't, I don't feel right. Exactly. It's too heavy. I'm, I'm, I'm chilled already. Um, right. One other thing I want to talk about, there's a lot of association that's talked about between vitamin D and waking. And that when you're vitamin D deficient, that you tend to gain more weight that it's connected to obesity, it's connected, it's vitamin D deficiency is, you know, connected to all sorts of illness, but in particular that it's also connected to um, waking. And is the, and again, as the days get shorter, it makes sense we're not out as much and getting as much sunshine. I think the real connection, is, and, and as we had talked earlier, it's really important for viewers to understand the difference between an association and a cause and effect. Um, and then also what it means for you as a person. So while we might see, or there has been some research that has shown that people who are overweight might be vitamin D deficient, but that does not mean that a vitamin D deficiency causes weight gain. 
So all that signal really means is, hey, check your vitamin D levels, especially in the winter. And if they're low, you might need to supplement because it is difficult to get it from foods, maybe from fortified dairy products, fortified nut milk, salmon, some protein-rich foods. But the one piece that does make sense, Sarah, is that we're not going outside as much and getting as much exercise. And that could sooner lead to weight gain. And so the connection with vitamin D might even be the not going outside, which could affect mood and signal more stress and more eating. And it could also signal that we are not really getting enough exercise. And I think getting outside and exercising outdoors in real time, taking a walk, a bike ride when it's not snowy, is far better exercise. Not that treadmills are bad, but it's far better exercise than doing that walk on a treadmill or on a stationary bike. I do think you burn more calories when you really are outside. And so low vitamin D is my signal, hey, it's time to get outdoors. Well, it doesn't take a lot of good vitamin D. You, you mentioned mood as well. Doesn't take a lot of time outside, 20 minutes outside, a little bit of a walk outside is really all that you need um, to be able to get enough vitamin D in the day. And, and it doesn't have to be sunny, it just has to be light. Yes. And so people think I have to go to the beach to get my vitamin D, but right. that, is, that is not the case. Right, and nor does it have to be hit all your skin. Like ideally it's nice in the summer when it hits all your skin. My understanding is it, if it just hits your eyes, that that is enough to be yes. able to do it, your face and your eyes. Well, certain people have a tendency to be more deficient. People who are darker skinned are more likely to be deficient. And people who are overweight have a hard time making that vitamin D. So they might also need more. So it's sort of a catch 22. So I think getting your D levels checked is a great thing also for immune health and for COVID outcomes, just for COVID outcomes more than weight, it would be worthwhile checking the D. Uh, yeah, this is, this is my tour. You, know, you just, you just hit my, my rage of the week, actually. And actually, if we can, uh, hopefully we've got the story that we're just literally just finished doing the story and we can post it um, into the chat as well about vitamin D, very high correlation between vitamin D deficiency. And as you said, COVID getting COVID being in the hospital with COVID and then dying from COVID. And then I think like 80% of the people that are in the hospital with COVID are D deficient. The yeah. numbers on, I'm blanking out, the numbers on death stats, it's like, it was like eight times more likely to die of COVID if you were D deficient. Um, so talk to your doctors. I'll just this, this little side, side ad for, please talk to your doctors about checking your D levels and potentially supplementing with vitamin D to help reduce your risk of COVID as well. All right, now that I've talked about that, let's go back to, let's go see what people can do about weight gain. Um, the other act is holiday baking, of course, and we'll talk about all the food and all the delicious food that's around, no matter what the holiday, there's always some food that's um, exciting about it. All right, so strategies for avoiding that, that weight gain. And I think you and I had talked um, about getting back in that early morning sunlight to be able to improve your exercise, et cetera. The, it's also good for your mood. Yes. And it also helps to regulate sleep. Mm -hmm. Now, going out in the sun early in the morning, now we both have dogs. So getting outside early with the dog, without the dog, make an excuse, pretend you have a dog, you know, really helps to regulate your circadian rhythm and also keep your sleep in check. And another reason for winter weight gain is you might be home more, you're asleep, it gets dark at four o'clock in New York maybe five, but it does get darker earlier and you're out less and that affects eating and sleeping. Yeah. And I think I, there is also, is there a connection between um, the sleep and leptin? And if you have, if you sleep, if you sleep well, you do better, you have more leptin levels and leptin is the hormone that suppresses appetite. Your, your appetite. So if you're sleeping badly, then, then also your, your appetite is higher. Also, what do people eat when they're sleep deprived? They crave carbs and sugar, thinking that those carbs and sugar and cakes are gonna give them an instant energy lift. 
And so what's going to happen is their blood sugar will go up, they'll have an instant energy lift, then it'll drop. And what do people crave when they're sleep deprived? Again, junk food. Right. Well, I think that's that roller coaster is so important. I was just talking to someone about it this morning. The, you know, you go up, you go down, and what do you do when you crash? You go, you think that you're hungry again, and you you put you put more carbs in it to be able to to um, fill fill the need, fill the energy void right away. And it's the wrong carbs. Again, fruits and vegetables are carbs, beans are carbs, but that is not usually what people eat when they are sleep deprived. Right. There's another interesting thing that um, we've written around in bottom line which is sometimes people think they're hungry, but they're really dehydrated. And you raise an important point because in the wind, in the summer, you know that you're gonna be dehydrated or you think you're gonna be dehydrated, so you drink. In the winter, you think, how could I possibly be dehydrated? But you actually can be. First of all, the heating system in many places, many apartment buildings, if you have a house, you can control it. But if the heat is on very high, that is very drying and you need more fluid. And people often tend to drink less fluids and less water and eat less fruits and vegetables that are high in water. Right. So you're thirsty, but you think that you're hungry, so you overeat. So always keep that glass of water. But hot water with lemon and herbal tea are, is also great in the, in the winter. Yeah. Well, and some of the symptoms of dehydration mimic symptoms of hunger. So you might feel lightheaded. You might be a little bit headachey. You know, it's not necessarily, if, if you, if your palate feels dry, it's already too late. But some of those other things, people think that they're headachey or, or lightheaded and they go, okay, I must have to eat, but you know, drink the water first. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or have fruits and vegetables and pay attention to the fact that you have more of them because they're high in water content. And another thing is if you're having salty foods and you're eating more processed foods, then you're having more salt, then you need even more water. Mm -hmm. All right, true, true that. All right, let's go to that, that holiday food strategies. Um, I love, you've got a great phrase and it's, you use it for all the time, not necessarily holidays, but you talk about delay, don't deny, which when we're in the midst of holiday time um, and there's treats all over, and again, whether it's now or whether it's chocolates for, for um, Valentine's day or barbecues or whatever, Talk about that, Jim. Yeah, I think it's so important not to deprive yourself of your favorite foods and to eat what you love. And so what happens is when you delay it, and I've done this a lot with clients, is you're saying, yes, I can have that cookie or that piece of cake or whatever it is that I love, but you're just not going to have it right now. And you're going to be more mindful. You're going to eat it more thoughtfully. And I think having it after dinner, as a dessert treat, is something that you have to look forward to. I think if you eat it first thing in the morning or you know whenever, then it's like, what next could you eat? So, but I think it's so important to legalize it and allow yourself to have that treat, but just have it a little bit later. So do you plan it like you know when you're gonna have it that day versus you go, huh, I think I really want a cookie or somebody sends you a big basket of, of goodies and you really want to have it now and you go, well, no, let me just hold it for later. Like, is it, how much of it is planning versus how much of it is delaying the gratification and really kind of an exercise in, in self-control? I think it's both. Because I think when you see that big basket that comes in, you're like, I want those cookies now. I shouldn't have them. It's always this association of, I shouldn't have those cookies, right. that basket, but no, I'm going to, you know, I'm eating this for dinner or whatever. And after dinner, I'm going to have one of these delicious cookies with my tea or with while I'm doing whatever. And this way you don't look at it again. You don't think about it and you know, you can have it. If you say, Oh, I can't have this. I'll save it for my kids, but I'm not eating it. Then you're just going to eat all the broken pieces or you eat the chips out of it. And you're going to feel deprived right. and you're going to feel very sort of restrained. And that is not a good place to be. Right. So be in a reward, a reward mindset versus a deprivation mindset. Absolutely. Now in the grand scheme of treats, everything from double hot fudge brownies to I'll call it chocolate and rice crispy treats and hot and chocolate covered strawberries. Are there, is, is there a realm of uh, guilt or less bad or less fattening? Like, is there, are there treats that people should tend to it? If you're good, if you're craving chocolate anyway, 
Like, is there, are there, is there a realm of, if you're going to eat this, pick this one, not that one, um, besides portion size. Yeah. I think if you do the chocolate covered strawberries, that's going to be better than a double chocolate cake or a brownie. Think about it because you're going to have the, the strawberries and they have no calories. And then you're just going to have the layer of chocolate. So you're going to put, you know, eight strawberries on a plate and it's, wow, I've got a big plate of stuff as opposed to one tiny little dense, thick brownie in calories, but you feel like it's nothing. So something like the chocolate covered fruit would definitely be better. But if you're craving that brownie, you're craving the other thing, have a small piece and do sort of the combo. Now, some fruit desserts, you think that it's fruit, just like you think the taco salad at Taco Bell is good for you, but it's actually the most fattening thing on the menu. So some fruit desserts actually have a lot of hidden sugar in it. They have a lot of hidden sugar and they also have the butter mm-hmm. and the pie crust could be expensive. You know, I mean, not expensive. The pie crust could be expensive right. when it comes to cal- you know, calories. Right. right. It's your budget of calories for the day. So yes, it could be. But again, it's, if you're making it yourself, which so many of us are doing now, and I say make your own holiday treats this year have a perfect excuse, see what goes into it. There's mm-hmm. butter, there's sugar, and there's very, very often more than you think. But you could do like really fun things and you could do like grilled apples, you could do baked apples, um, and they're delicious. Like you literally can take slivered apples and you could put in a frying pan, you know, add a little bit of olive oil, uh, avocado oil, a different, you know, pan, and put some apples, put some uh, raisins, just don't deep fry them and they're good. So it's not the real thing, but it does count for something. Right, and it satisfies. And it's satisfying. And right. it's satisfying. Um, dried fruits is a big thing at this time of year and nuts are a big thing, time at this, this time of year. Um, where do those stand in the world? And I know nuts are one of the healthiest things that you can eat, but they're so dense in calories. Yeah, nuts are fattening, but they're also very, very healthy. So you want to think, you know, I'm going to have a golf ball size or a layer of my palms worth. And again, you're going to not eat out of the bag or out of the, you know, the tin or wherever you have it from. You know, people go to Costco and they get the thing of nuts, those Kirkland nuts, which are delicious. But each cashew is the size of your head. And it is such a big thing. You've got to take a portion put it on a plate and eat it sitting. And research has found that nut eaters are usually thinner and healthier than non-nut eaters. Mm -hmm. They're not eating nuts and M&Ms or and cookies, but they're having the nuts in place of the cookies. So nuts are definitely, there's a place for them, but portions, portions, portions. Same with dried fruit. You know, a cup of raisins or a cup of grapes you know, a cup of grapes is full of water. And so it's going to be less than half of the calories of something like raisins. So raisins and dried fruit are very, very caloric because they're dehydrated. So they lose all the water. Again, have them, but it's also going to be about portion control. Yes, there's sugar, but the sugar is natural sugar, unless like some of those pineapples are added sugar on top where you could see it. Which is so funny. I was just going to say, there are some dried fruits where they add sugar and pineapple in particular, which has got to be the sweetest fruit out there. And yet they, I love it, or I used to eat it, um, but it's crazy. So just because it says fruit doesn't mean it's healthy. And again, dried fruits, it's, there is a lot of sugar in there. So to your point, the portion control. What's What's an appropriate portion size for dried fruits? About a quarter of a cup. So a quarter of a cup of raisins is about the same calories as one cup of grapes. So you have a choice, but I'm gonna tell you a trick. I find frozen fruit is delicious. Frozen blueberries are delicious and frozen grapes are delicious. Sometimes you just don't want grapes, but when you freeze them and even frozen dried fruit, like frozen dates and figs, Mm it takes longer to eat and it gives you that sort of treat feeling. So I urge you to dry, um, put your dried fruit in the freezer and also your regular fruit. Very good. Yeah. Well, and in fact, um, someone asked a question, Rebecca asked about if frozen fruits and vegetables are really a good replacement when fresh isn't available. Um, 
The answer is yes. I always keep a bag or two of frozen vegetables at all times. You want to make sure that the frozen veggies or the fruit are plain and that the sugar, the fruit ones don't have added sugar on them and that the veggies don't have an added sauce on them. But if they're plain, they're actually picked at the height of ripeness. So they believe it or not, they retain even more nutrients than fresh. Yeah, that's actually a surprise that people don't realize because they, they are, they're flash frozen at them versus the stuff that gets in our grocery store might have left the fields weeks before and kind of, and before they it turned right. Um, do you, so do you have any favorite ways though to cook them or treat them or prepare them? Because frozen vegetables get a little mushy. Well, if you put them in the microwave and you saute them in the frying pan, and if you add, I love toasted sesame oil. And I think that adding a little bit of toasted sesame oil is yummy, yummy, yummy. And putting them into things like adding them into stews or rice dishes or quinoa dishes, then you really can't tell. So, but there are, you know, you don't want to just have steamed frozen vegetables. Those don't taste good. When you add some kind of a sauce to them, you know, and a little bit of sauce is okay. Or you add an oil that you like. I just love toasted sesame oil or even um, olive oil. They make them a lot tastier. Mm. My daughter, I've talked on these before about what a good cook my daughter is. And since she's been home since since COVID, she's working, but, you know, been been home with us. Um, So she's been cooking a lot. And her favorite thing Pepper flakes go into almost everything. And she's been, you know, big on a little bit of sprinkle of cayenne pepper or just pepper flakes um, in vegetables in particular. They've been, you know, just kind of kick, kicks it up a notch, as Emma used to say. So does garlic powder and so does like those little onion flakes. I mean, those are also good. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been a great opportunity to experiment with different seasonings as well. You can't really go so far wrong. I mean, go play with all those things that have been hidden in the cupboard, right? And, and, See what they like. Um, All right. Back to holiday baking. You talk about, you know, baking, but okay. So now I baked all my cookies and I got this huge thing. Just a reminder, people don't necessarily have to bake the full batch, correct? Especially if we're not going to all the parties, we're not producing all the tins of cookies for everybody that we did. So just a reminder, you don't have to do that full batch. And there are other strategies to do to, to limit the temptation. Ziploc baggies are your best friends. <laughs> and they don't have to be the Ziploc brand. It doesn't, whatever brand you like. But literally, you could take a couple and you could freeze them in individual baggies. And you don't want to keep them all out because you'll eat more. Yeah. You know? And if you make four different types of cookies, you'll taste all four. If you just make one type, chances are you'll eat a little bit less. But really and truly either make half the recipe, give a bunch away and freeze them. They will definitely freeze well. And then you can have your cookie when you want it. And you can have a variety if you make a variety of cookies. Yes, that's exactly true. So the freezer is your friend. Do you give it, do you get yourself have a treat every day or is it just like once a week you get yourself? I do something every day. And I really believe if you are, you could do a treat, whatever that is, it could be one cookie. It could be half a cup of frozen yogurt. It could be, you know, a peppermint patty, a piece of chocolate, something that you like. I think it's completely fine. You know, and in my book, you know, I have in my food plan in um, both the portion teller and in finally full, finally slim, you I say it, one treat a day is fine. It could even be a glass of wine. And it really helps people stick to their food plan and do better. Yeah. Can we do, you just do a quickie on your portions. I love, I'm forever, you're in my head every time I cook and I'm trying to figure out portions. So Lisa has has her methodology and the Portion Teller book is a fabulous book. And she's got these, you know, games so that you can figure out because you don't run around with your measuring cups. So, but you always have your hand. So can you do just a quick, a quick yeah. rundown of your, your portion sizes, your portable portion measure? Yeah. First of all, if you are a man, you could eat more because you have a bigger hand. So this is not an exact science. And if you, it's okay, but just a couple of typical visuals. I don't know if you could see my hand. I can so see yeah, there's the dog. Sorry. <laughs> there's the dog and there's mom over your shoulder. And I love that. So three ounces is like the palm of your hand. 
So give or take, you know, and if you have four ounces, it's not a big deal, but three ounces would look like a steak or something. And that's for um, protein, basically, if you're going to have a meat. If you're going to have meat, but you can have a little bit more, but I say, you know, figure three to four ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, two fingers, like peace sign, is cheese, like an ounce of cheese. And this is really like when you go into holiday parties and there's cubes of cheese and you just eat more cheese than you have 10 fingers worth, you've had too much cheese. So think two things of cheese. So does that mean two fingers? Because I can get a lot of cubes of cheese into my two fingers. So is yeah, it the length? That's or, or like eight dice. Yeah. Which would be like, yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. That would be fine. Then you also want to think like a fist is about a cup's worth of pasta, rice, or let's say Cheerios or some kind of a cereal mm-hmm. or popcorn. You got three cups of popcorn. So three cup, you know, three okay. um, and then sort of a cupped hand, one cupped hand would be about a half a cup's worth. So if you're doing a half a cup of starch, then that would be like about a half a cup. Right. And then, you know, a thumb tip, it would be more the tip to the top. That would be the equivalent of like a tablespoon of peanut butter or oil. And then a teaspoon would be one of the other fingers. Mm-hmm. So one of your smaller fingers. And it's just a side, it's not an exact science, but it really just sort of helps you get into that groove of how many decks of cards are on your plate of steak. You could have two, you could have six ounces, but then it's two palms, two or two decks of cards, as opposed to, you know, 10 palms falls. Can anyone ever eat too many vegetables? You know, it's like, you want to measure your protein, you want to measure your grains, you want to measure your fats. But you don't have like a, you know, a a vegetable measure or a salad measure, and I, I joke with family members about like, you, like, like have like, they'll take the least amount of vegetables sometimes. And like, you could have more of that. You're not you know limit the cheese, but have at it at the green stuff. I think fruits and vegetables, and even for fresh fruit like berries, are freebies. Nobody got fat from carrots or even bananas or blueberries or greens. What you put on that salad is important. And as we talked, as you talked earlier, you could get the most fattening salad because it's glob full of dressing, crouton and cheese. So when you go out, just because it's a salad doesn't mean that it's not going to be fattening. But I think when it comes to veggies, I always have the eat more mentality. And I like to look at weight gain in the context, not of fear, but of wellness. You want to avoid winter weight gain by making healthier choices, eating more mindfully and putting wellness on the table, not eating diet food, but having foods that are good for you that also taste good as well. And do some of that, that, you know, the, the more vegetables and fruits that you're eating, like they're not as heavy so that, you know, to, to the point earlier about we're tired in the winter and we're slower in the winter, that the lightness of the vegetables isn't as heavy. Like it doesn't force us to go take a nap afterward in the same way. So does it help with the energy levels at all? I think if we eat very big meals, our energy levels go down. I mean, so I think that if we, to keep our energy stable, I think if we have lighter meals, but we don't just want to have vegetables or fruit because we want to have some protein too. Yes. So to keep our energy stable, I think we want to make sure that we have fish, chicken, beans, and legumes are great. Um, lentils, chickpeas are terrific. Really, so those are very helpful too. Yeah. Someone was asking me, Sarah asked about canned vegetables. How are those nutritionally? You know, relative to frozen, what you said is so great. What about canned? Canned vegetables would be second, or canned fruits would be second to the frozen. Why? Because of the sodium content. If they're very, very low in sodium, then I think they're okay. But sometimes if you just rinse them off, like I know, like if you buy chickpeas in a can and you rinse them, you get rid of most of the added salt. So that would really be the only problem, as long as there's no other sauces hidden in there. If it's fruit, very often the fruit could be lined with syrup. And that's something you want to limit. Right. Got it. Okay. Um, 
exercise and consumption. Something that you know people think about a lot is I need to exercise to lose weight or to keep. And there's no no, no reason you, everyone needs to exercise, but consumption is really the key to weight. What goes in, what goes out? Like the the, the key the key in gaining weight or losing weight is how much you actually consume. Yes. Yes. Exercise does help though, Right. but exercise alone doesn't do anything. I think it was like a week or two ago, the CDC came out with a new report. I think they recommend like 150 um, minutes a week for like weight maintenance. And that's over spread out over the entire week. And they said, if you're just thinking weight loss, it's gotta be 300 minutes. So the point being that exercise, diet, or I don't want to say diet, lifestyle changes that are positive, that are going to be fewer in calories, plus exercise will help. But exercise alone, you're going to have to do lots and lots of it in order to get you to lose the weight. So I think a combination is best. Yeah. Now, how do people do it? So some people start exercising. Um, and it definitely maintains the tone. Some people start exercising and then they get hungry. So they, it's almost like they, they shoot themselves in the foot on consumption. Like they exercise and they go, oh, I thought I exercise, you know, I exercise a lot. So then they, they almost increase their consumption sometimes. How do they, how, you know, advice or suggestions on balancing the post-workout hunger or, you know, the mindset that says, oh, I exercise today. So I get free passes. Yeah, that's a mindset because exercise alone, unless you're running a marathon or you're really doing a lot of extra exercise that causes a deficit of calories, you chances are the kind of exercise most people are doing is not going to necessarily make them that much hungrier. So I think what's going on in a lot of cases is reward, reward, reward. They're thinking in their head, okay, I did this treachery that I didn't like, I exercised. So now I'm going to um, eat something. But I like to look at it somewhat differently. I like to look at exercises, do just like eat what you love, do what you love. I mean, I love swimming. I love outdoor bike riding, walking. Even when I was in New York, I would walk. I hate treadmills and, and I just, I don't like those indoor machines. So yeah. I don't want But if you do an exercise you like, movement, house walking, if take your dog out or just take a walk in the snow that believe it or not burns a lot more calories than you think. And then the exercise is movement and you don't really have to worry so much about the eating. I think we don't really, we can't eat more because we're exercising. We're exercising and that's good for our health and that will allow us to have a treat or allow us to have a little bit more. It will be great to maintain the weight loss. But just to lose the weight, exercise alone isn't necessarily going to do it. And you're probably not exercising so much that your hunger level is so high that you then have to go in and eat. Now, I've, I've watched people who like, I ran today. I ran for 20 minutes. I can, you know, therefore, give me the chocolate cake, right? So <laughs> and that's okay. And I sometimes I joke that the reason that I do exercise, besides that I feel good, that so I can eat my chips. Like I know that I have a chip habit. And it's terrible, but it's my one vice. Okay. Like I, I just, it's, you know, there's so many things I don't eat, but um, so that it's like, okay. So I joke that I exercise because then I know that that's, I can balance it mm, a little bit. Okay. What are your favorite chips and when do you like them? Um, I like salty corn chips or potato chips, actually. Okay. Um, I like thinner ones. My, um, Utz is my favorite brand. Okay. Um, if I says out there, send me chips. Um, <laughs> I like, I like thin light ones. I don't like the kettle cooked ones. I think they're way too heavy. And honestly, I will do it. Like I will crave carbs and I will crave salt. Like when I get off this, I will crave it. When, like when I've done a lot of brain work, your brain functions on glucose, right? And I don't eat sugar. So I will crave that when I, after I've done a lot of work or I've done a lot of like heavy brain stuff. So I'm going to say, take, you know, like a fistful of chips, whatever. And if this is the time of day that you like it, put it on a plate. Don't eat it standing. Don't open the cupboard and just start nibbling. Put it on a plate, sit down and enjoy it. And that's for everyone. I could do without chips, but I love sourdough pretzels, those big fat sourdough pretzels. And I'll crave it about now too, around four or five o'clock. Yeah. And I'll allow myself to have them. 
Yes, it's white flour, but if that's the only white flour I eat, it's not a problem. The yeah. same thing, it's okay to have the chips. It's not okay to have the bag of chips every day. Yeah. Well, and so that was the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is your point of eating mindfully. That And that's something in the winter, it's easy. We're all kind of bundled in and you, you know, it's right nearby and you're sitting on the couch. It's easy to take that whole bag and just stick it with you. So talk about mindful eating. Mindful eating is so important as is mindful living. Because when you are eating mindfully, you, first of all, your chances are you're not multitasking. So you're not eating, standing, watching TV, looking at your phone at the same time, because then you're not paying attention to the fact that you're eating. So you want to concentrate on the act of eating. Mindful eating also helps you to eat more slowly. You don't have to chew and count your bites and become crazy, but it just forces you to slow down and ask yourself, am I hungry? And there was actually research that found that even though mindful eating is not a weight loss tool, it does lead to weight loss. And it's, I find better than a dieting type of strategy because it's something that is good for you. And it's something that you can live with every day. You don't want to go, the best diet to go on is the one you don't even know you're on. And when you eat mindfully and you'll get into that habit of always recognizing internal signals, eating when you're sitting, putting your fork down between bites, enjoying the company, you end up eating less and you're more satisfied with what you ate. Yeah. And really thinking about what those flavors and the richness of it. And I've even found when you know there's there's a lot of fake food out there, which is absolutely unsatisfying. And when you have, like if we'll go to a, a bakery, there's somebody where we'll go and get fabulous sourdough bread and they have amazing cookies. So every so often we'll go, we'll get a cookie. One little bite of that is so satisfying because it's all great ingredients, you know, butter, like the whole bit, but it's so satisfying because it's real versus mm-hmm. fake. Which totally. just st- stimulates the sugar, st- you know, just sends you on that cycle of more, more, more. No, totally. I totally agree. I totally agree. And you really just have to kind of pay attention, know what you're going to have, you know, and do it mindfully. Absolutely. And we talked already about right sizing portions. We talked about, um, so one other thing that people, you and I had talked about earlier about eating at your desk, um, which is also a place where people can be mindless when they're eating. Yeah, I think sometimes we also, especially now, and I know we're all going to be, we're all zoomed out, but I think if you want to concentrate and do something, have a Zoom lunch with a colleague, you know, or have a Zoom meeting or have a, you know, with a friend and then sort of you're eating at your desk in a sense, but you're eating slowly, you're paying attention. You can eat at your desk, but you don't want to be eating at your desk mindlessly while you're doing emails, while you're doing something else, and then you pay no attention to the food. Right. Ideally, you want to just stop, take that 15 minutes, eat, enjoy it while you're not doing something else. Well, and again, the classic reminder that what is it it takes 20 minutes for your stomach to catch up to your head? Exactly. For all the hoovers out there? Yeah, so it takes about 20 minutes, give or take, signal fullness. So to recognize, hey, I'm full, you've got to really slow down before you grab and go for the seconds. And if you eat slowly, that'll take at least 10, 15 minutes. So then you just wait another couple of minutes before you go back for more. Yeah, which is great. And then double check, are you hungry? Or is it like that mouth? You just want another bite of it because it tasted so good. Right. And you know what else? You know what else talking about eating at your desk? Right. Don't eat a bag. Take nice plates. Put your food on the plates, treat yourself well, and enjoy it. That makes such a difference than if you just take these paper plates or you're just eating out of a tin that you got the food from. Mm-hmm. Really enjoy it, treat yourself well, make yourself like a queen, and you know, savor it. Yeah. And are you a small person, a small plate recommender? I'm not a tiny plate recommender, but the middle size plate. I think if the plate is too small, then you feel deprived. Right. Too big, you know, take that palm size steak and you put it on a tremendous plate, it looks like nothing. Right. You put it on a nine inch plate instead of a 12 inch plate, much better. Add broccoli, add lots of veggies, and add a little bit of starch, and you're fine. 
So if the plate is tremendous, like these charger plates, then you're going to put way too much on that plate. And we've all been fooled through, you know, going to restaurants, just that everything is supersized. I had read something where like the size of, you know, drinks years ago, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the size of a burger was like a three ounce burger. The size of a, a soft drink was six or eight ounces and everything now is supersized. And our whole perception of a portion has gotten distorted to be these ginormous portions. Yep. That's why I write about, um, I call it portion distortion. So we think that an oversized portion is normal and it's the norm and it's become the norm. And the problem is since it's become the norm, we think, oh, okay, I could have it. And if it's a small, like go to Starbucks, the small coffee is a tall, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we think I'm buying the small, it's okay. Cause it's called small, but even the small, is too big. I mean, right. one thing you don't miss about movie theaters are the sizes of their sodas. <laughs> <laughs> two, two hands. Um, and that's something for people to be conscious of again in the winter. If if we're slowing down, if our metabolism is slowing down, to really be extra careful about portion size and not to let it, you know, ooze into giant size. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And to get outside, bundle up, even if it's cold. Mm-hmm. You know, go out. Take, you know, go out for that walk, go out for that bike ride when there's not snow on the ground, because you also feel better. And so there's a connection, I think, I mean, a small portion of people, not everybody, do have seasonal affective disorder, where their mood is going to be affected very much because of the darkness. And so I think, even though not everyone has SAD, SAD, seasonal affective disorder, right. I Many, many people, or most of us, I don't know anyone who likes the day after we change the clocks in November, you know, and it affects your mood. So getting outside early in the day really will help us eat less and eat better as well. Absolutely. All right. I have one more question. We were talking about the snacking and when do I snack? Another time that a lot of people get their snack attacks is at like 10 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. which is the worst time for a snack. What's your thoughts or recommendations on that? I think pick a healthy snack for that time. Or it depends. If you go to bed at one in the morning, it's not so terrible. But if you go to bed at 11, again, the heavier the food, it's going to sit on you. So I think, you know, a smoothie is something good. And even though, yes, it's winter, believe it or not, I think like having a smoothie, if you're inside, could actually be a good thing. Um, I, I can have a smoothie at night and I have clients who really do like them, even though it is the winter, because it's sort of fun. You know what else is good? Take a banana, peel a banana, add a little bit of peanut butter on it, put it in the freezer so you can have that. Or graham cracker with a little bit of peanut butter. You don't want the snack to be high in sugar. So you don't want, and you don't want caffeine, like a lot of chocolate, because that will affect your sleep later on if, when you go to sleep. What's your favorite smoothie? I like blueberries, peanut powder, a little bit of almond. I love the peanut powder, a little bit of almond milk. Mm-hmm. You never heard of like the PB2 or the peanut butter? Oh, it's like a peanut powder. It's like wow. the powder and it's, it, it's awesome. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. So I take frozen blueberries, maybe a little bit of spinach. Sometimes I'll throw in some kiwi or some banana, the peanut butter powder. Ice is delicious and some almond milk, vanilla flavored almond milk. Delicious. Love it. Okay, wait, someone's asking me a question. Um, do you have a healthy recipe for hot chocolate? I don't have a healthy recipe off the top of my head, my top of my head, but they make those hot chocolates like they they make them with lower sugar. So you want to get one that is a lower sugar one. And I think that will make all the difference. Some have higher sugar and you just buy the packets and add a little bit more um, water to it. Or you could add some nonfat milk or a little bit of um, like the, the vanilla flavored almond milk is something that's going to be good with it also. How about if you make it at home? I, we've always made it at home because the packets are so full of sugar. So just take some, some cocoa and then can you, does honey have any different versus, versus sugar? Honey is still like sugar. So you could do a little bit of honey. You'll use less of it. You also could do a little bit of maple syrup. Um, yeah. Okay. I want, now the questions are coming in. Come on folks. Like, you know what else I like, like even taking just chocolate powder yes. and sprinkling that on fruit or putting a little bit of that in the smoothie. If you're a chocolate lover, I'm a peanut butter lover. So I love the peanut powder. So if you took some cocoa, a little bit of cocoa, 
But again, it's gonna have caffeine, so be careful. Do that earlier, not do that as a four o'clock snack or eight o'clock, not 10 o'clock. And added that with the berries into a smoothie, that'll really give you some chocolate fix. Yeah, nice. Um, all right, I have another question, which is, how about are vegetables in vinegar, like that are jarred in vinegar, good for your digestion? Yeah, they're fermented. Yeah. So yes, they actually are. Also sauerkraut. Sauerkraut's made of combat. It's very, very high in sodium, but because it's fermented, that and pickles, kimchi are excellent for the gut and for your digestive system. Yep. Great. And then how about breads? How about Ezekiel toast or any breads, but your preferred breads? I okay. love I love the Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. The Ezekiel um, toast is great or any whole grain. I happen to like the taste of the Ezekiel, but it's important to have something that's whole grain, 100% whole grain. Beware of words like multigrain. Multigrain only means two or more grains. So if the first ingredient in that grain is enriched wheat flour, and then it has you know all the different vitamins that are added, you think it's health food, but it's just the same as white bread. Right. And same thing like gluten-free breads, which a lot of people think that gluten-free, because it says gluten-free on the label, it becomes a nutritional pass. But those are actually really a super high in glycemic index and super low in nutritional value. Yeah. Very, very low. I happen to love, there's a brand and it's kosher as well. If anyone is kosher, cause I happen to be kosher. It's called food for life mm-hmm. and you get it in the refrigerator section and it's an Ezekiel bread and it's so delicious. And I'm not a paid spokesperson. So. <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone wants to send Lisa some, some food for life bread, then that would be okay by her. All right, Lisa. You have to be very careful of, you know, if someone is peddling a product and they're a spokesperson and they're recommending it, there could potentially be a conflict of interest. So I just happen to like that bread. And they also make really delicious English muffins as well. Great. All right. Dr. Lisa Young, you're fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you. Your website, drlisayoung.com. If anybody, anybody wants to learn more about Lisa, get her books. They're amazing. And have a very happy holiday. And you can shoot me an email and you can get my email, Lisa at drlisayoung.com. All right. Thank you so much. All right, everybody go have a great, healthy, enjoy the snow night and weekend. Happy holidays. Have a treat. We're living in an unprecedented time when trust in our media and news sources are at an all time low. seems that everyone has an agenda, if not a political one, then a business one, as media companies are beholden to advertisers or shareholders. Well, not at bottom line. We're a family-owned business and have been free from the influence of advertising since our start nearly 50 years ago, focused solely on helping people live happier, more fulfilled lives. Our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, provides advice that can be put into action each day, helping people do better and feel better. Thousands of top, highly respected, truth-seeking experts have appeared in Bottom Line Personal on topics in all areas of life, including healthcare, financial planning, home improvement tips, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.